5: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Car Stories with Sun Kang
6: and Amelia Hartford.
5: And today we have a very special guest. He happens to be, I would say, a childhood prodigy.
6: Incredibly smart, wise beyond his years. He also paid his way through college by street racing.
5: He did. He is, in a way, like the real life Dominic Toretto. Yeah. And always thinks out of the box. Yeah. He has like the wackiest cars. He has this thousand horsepower minivan. (laughs)
6: He does, yes.
5: So he gives street cred to all the uh, minivan owners out there. I
6: love it. And he's really pushing the boundaries lately with his performance EV conversions. And
5: the most positive person that i probably ever met in my life.
6: He, I don't believe, has a bad bone in his body. He wants to see everyone succeed.
5: We're lucky to have him in our life.
6: Yeah. And on this podcast. So without further ado. Here we go. BC Azarioha.
5: Okay, so let's let's go back to the origin of you coming to California. So you were in Long Beach at the yes age no. of like sixteen. Yes, and no. Okay.
7: So I left Nigeria when I was sixteen. Okay. After a year, you know, I went to university at the age of fifteen. Did a year there. Came here. My father typically would escort me here to the United States because he's mm-hmm. always here often, but he had to take care of some. He had to buy some machinery and finish it up in Italy, mm. and my mom had to take care of the factory, so she couldn't leave. So, this was for you to go to school, correct? For you to go to school. Okay. So, they kind of sent me by myself, two suitcases on a plane. My dad, when he went to school here to study geology, he had a scholarship from Gulf Oil Company. Mm. And in that whole oil company, he met this, you know, this family. And Bob Lancaster was a very good friend of my father's. And my father,
5: who's Bob Lancaster? He was
7: the founder of Torco Oil Company. And my dad had him meet me at LAX. And uh, that was really interesting because I never met them before. So, imagine going to a foreign country not really knowing anyone. And you meet this older couple who's just going to take you home to their place in Whittier and that's it.
6: Are you still in touch with them today?
7: I do keep in touch with them from time to time. Um, unfortunately, Bob and Connie passed away a few mm. years ago. So and that's sad, but their sons are still around. They're really good to me. They're like, they're like family to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was interesting coming here from Africa with a lot of African outfits on and going to church with them. People ask me questions like, Hey, how does it feel wearing shoes? For the first time. Mm. I mean, I, I used to have Italian, <laughs> Italian <laughs> My uh-huh. parents, I mean, come on, we were. My parents were comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny, but hearing those questions about oh, how's how like the first gross time
6: assumption? Yeah. Did that make you feel like an outlier in a
7: way? No. So what's weird is that um, I actually embrace those questions. I thought genuinely they want people want to know. So I was the first one. Go, oh no. Well. My father used to travel to Italy and buy a shoe. So I you know, and that uh, oh no, we so we live right next to you know, so I would my parents have a cosmetic factory and we have factories everywhere and we have Coca Cola and, and Sprite and Fanta and all this, so I was very eager to educate and share, share that. I never thought it was, you know, ignorance or a way to put me down. I really welcomed those questions and answered them aptly. Mm-hmm. Mom. So, so how
6: did how did the cars start forming for you? Was it during college? Is that how you got in trouble? Was it? Yeah, you can say that.
7: So as I mentioned earlier, my, my first word was car. I've always loved automobiles, just had this this great affinity for them. Even from having Hot Wheels, yes, there were Hot Wheels in Africa, but even from then playing with the Hot Wheels and so on and so forth, we just didn't have the environment for modifications. So even though I had access to magazines like auction magazines back then, and I'm talking this is like, Eight, late 80s, okay. early 90s. Okay. For the
5: listeners that don't yeah. know what Option Magazine is, what is that? What does well, that mean?
7: So Option Magazine is this is this Japanese high-performance magazine that not only covers builds, think of an Amazon catalog in paper, but just all parts. Mm. It was like this, this high-end catalog, at least for us, that allowed us to really look at things and see what we can purchase that was hot in Japanese car culture at the time.
5: Mm.
7: And uh, so I saw those and I'd always dream. And I had three dream cars when I was back home, even though I never saw those cars myself. The Pontiac Fiero. Don't laugh. <laughs> she I, <laughs> that's a, that's a, I couldn't help it.
5: It's a it's reaction a, when
6: people it, say Fiero. In
7: its time, it was a beautiful car. It, it was, was a
6: great cool. car when they didn't have oiling issues and catch on fire. The
7: Lata I knew about, which is scary afterwards. I didn't know at the time.
6: Did that happen while
7: you on the car? That's a good That's part of my story. It's okay. pretty good. Okay. And then second was the MR2. Ooh. The MR2. Nice. So was earlier an AW11. And then the Honda CRX. Okay. So those are my three cars. I was like... <gasps> This is it for me. Anyway, I digress. So, back to when I came here. Now, I'm in a country where car culture is pretty cool. People are modifying cars. There was a lot of, how should I say, domestic vehicles out there that were modified, hot rods. Mm-hmm. But the sport compact scene was really in its infancy. You couldn't call a BC Moto and order parts. You couldn't go to eBay. You couldn't go to, to Amazon. You couldn't buy, you just couldn't buy. Well, there was it was nothing still available. fresh
6: at that time.
7: So fresh, there was nothing available. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean it. I mean, mm-hmm. we could read about what some tuners did in, in japan maybe mugen what they had done with hondas maybe oscar jackson with jackson racing did some things back in the day mm. but if i want to buy a camshaft nowhere if mm-hmm. i want a valve springs you wanted pistons companies existed yeah companies like vinolia arias but they didn't make honda pistons i mean mm. th- i'm talking this far back as 92 93 there was nothing available Mm -hmm. When you went to any kind of race where there's small compact cars, lots of rotaries, lots of R100s, RX2s, RX3s, you didn't see—Hondas weren't really the hot thing at the time. Mm. And um, it's it's so strange how you can have this ability to figure things out and apply it to your vehicles and then go faster, and then in turn, people get attracted to what you're doing and come to you. That's pretty much, in essence, what I experienced. Mm. So— I come here to the United States. There's great car culture already. I don't know how to get into it. I don't know anything about it. I'm just an engineering student and want to experience certain things. I could go to school and see some cars drive up, maybe an old Corolla FX come up and it's lowered with exhaust. I don't know. Anyway, back to the Fiero thing. I decide it's time for me to buy a car. I had a couple bucks. Well, my dad would send money every two weeks. Thank you, dad. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I want to buy a Fiero. I'm like, I love the car. It's beautiful. It's sexy. It's a two-door wedge shape. It's just absolutely amazing. I have to have this vehicle. I decided in normal BC fashion to go to a local bookstore and buy a book from Consumer Reports to read about how reliable this could be. (laughs) Because even though I was excited about that, uh, as a student, I had to be frugal. Why frugal? Because I had this bright idea that since my parents took care of me growing up, that now I'm in America, I don't want their help anymore. I'm going to make my own way. Because mm-hmm. I used to get teased at school that the only reason why BC, you are who you are is because your parents take care of you and you're still so spoiled. So I'm in America now by myself with this family and I want to prove to people including myself that I can do things on my own.
6: Yeah, and ideally take care of them in the future.
7: Amen. Mm-hmm. So I called my dad and told him that and you know what he did? Cry. Laughed. <laughs> 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 Just, like that. Just like that, son. See, I laughed. That's exactly what my dad did. He laughed at me. And he gave me... I'm like, I'm really going to show him. So, I'm going to buy my own car. But since I'm going to do it myself, I need something reliable, yeah? Guess what Consumer Report says? Horrible car, catches on fire, electrical problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not for me. MR2, perfect. But I didn't have enough money. I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be frugal. Mm-hmm. And I opted for the CRX-HF, High fuel efficiency, because as a student, it got great gas mileage. Hmm. So, it looks the part. Yes, it's not as sexy as a Fiero. Yes, not an MR2, but it is a nice little two-seater kind of, you know, it's nice. It was clean. It's nice. I liked it. So, I picked it up. Well, in Very, hindsight, that was probably the yeah. better decision. It, it was. I mean, not just me. for
6: economy and for daily driving, I mean, but also for the community.
7: You know, I agree. Even though I really wanted the MR2. <laughs> <laughs> Which
6: would have want a good community Which would have been good too? too right? Exactly.
7: <laughs> so I get the CRX and um I'm driving it and, I, and I'm just I'm just so excited about this car and I'm reading about what people can do with CRXs. Not much, but still I'm reading, trying to find out what I could do. The family I lived with, the Lancasters, started having some financial challenges. Hmm. So they had to sell their house in Whittier and move to lovely Wyoming. I went there once with them. It was very cold. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so I told my parents. Hey, the Lancasters are moving, Dad. Mom, I don't know where to stay. Oh, don't worry. We know someone. It's a lady, Mrs. Jones. Lovely lady. She lives in this amazing, beautiful Jewish community in Southern California. She's been there since the 60s. I've known her. Great woman. She will love you. She comes by. She picks me up. I have my suitcases. And we go to Compton. That wasn't... That's not a, that's it, a was, Jew, it was. was a it was a Jewish... In the 60s. my guess. Yeah. Wow. So I didn't know. that. That's my dad's telling me. I'm like, wow. it was Compton and... Do you know how Compton was in the late 80s, early 90s? Mm-hmm.
5: Crips and Bloods. It was. Yeah. It
7: was. And my my guardian, I called Ms. Jones. My guardian. She was one of those ladies who bought her house way back in the day and would not move no matter what. So we saw all of this. I was there when the riots happened. I saw it all.
5: Wow.
7: Mm. But what did that environment expose me to? Street racing. Mm. So once again, Nigerian kid here loving cars, never had opportunity to touch one. And around me at night, you hear all this racing down on Alameda, which that's is not cool. too far away from me.
6: How old were you at this point?
7: 18, 19. and I was just really, just excited about this environment. I also knew it was very expensive, and there were no parts. Right, there was one guy, Archie Madrano. He had a turbochar CRX with a red with a yellow bumper, and he was running at the time. We thought it was ridiculous. He was running like 12, 8. and that was like that's like sixes now, you know, in a CRX front wheel drive with really small slicks from Mickey Thompson, all that good stuff. Thought about it, knew it was expensive after talking to him. I said, okay, this is not for me. I'll just keep plugging along. So one morning, I get up to go to school and I start my vehicle and I hear this deep, weird sound emanating from the back of my car. I hear this, I'm like, okay, but it sounds kind of cool, but whatever. So I go to Gardena Honda, which is not too far away from Compton, and they say, oh, you have a perforated muffler.
6: I thought you were gonna say someone cut your cat off. No, no. <laughs>
7: For, fortunately, you know, like nowadays, the catalyst on the HF was up near the head. You have to kind of pull my motor to get yeah. to that. But yeah, it was I had a perforated muffler. And long story short, it was gonna cost me six hundred and twenty dollars to fix. Okay. Which may not sound like a lot now, but to then is probably like it sounded like he said sixty-two thousand to me at the time as a student, sure, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. But one of the tech guys is like, hey, you can go to a regular muffler shop. You don't have to get original no Honda. You can go to a muffler shop and they'll well one on there for you. And I go there and they say, okay, we have this Dynamax Flow muffler. We can put on there for you. It's way cheap. I think it ended up costing like $70 or something like that. Mm. And you'll be good. Mm. $70 sounds better than $620 for me. So mm. that's what I did. Mm. Guys, when I started my car, just the sound it made, i like, oh, this is so <laughs> cool, right? It sounded so cool. It was like a, a religious moment for me and then it got better right when i drove off my car was faster i'm like oh my god well, what the heck aftermarket muffler. yeah after my camuffler straight yeah. through it wasn't chambered so now i know why i gained power mm-hmm. but i didn't then i'm just a student who has a car that sounds better and i have more power and it got better even than the power and the sound my field economy improved Hmm. Now I'm I'm just thirsty for knowledge. I want to know why it happened, how it happened. I caught a muffler shop. They don't, we don't know. We just put a muffler in your car. We don't, they don't. I want answers. Why? No one could explain it to me. Fast forward to today. I do this thing on Instagram, Tech Tuesday, uh-huh. where I just open up, and you've been on that with yeah. me before. Yeah. All I do is share all my knowledge. I Emily, mean, mm-hmm. I share everything I know. Everything. You can ask me something about what I did that morning, and I will share, show you the diagram. I'll send you my freaking CAD files I don't care because I remember what I experienced when I was younger Mm -hmm. and I remember how I felt when people kind of just pushed me away and they want to tell me either they knew or they didn't know and that hurt Mm. so now I'm trying to be that person I needed when I was younger and and I would have been much further ahead if people just opened up to me yeah Mm. and I don't have that so I'm doing that for people and some people even in industry would chastise me like BC why are you telling all your secrets on everything you know because technology always changes what i know today i didn't know a year ago well, and tomorrow and, i will know more and life isn't a I
6: zero-sum game either we got agree. to keep the
7: industry alive i agree i concur with you wholeheartedly so that being said people just wouldn't tell me but i had to know so i sought out this aem because i thought they would know and they're local so i walked in met the owner john conciotti and unlike others he's like oh what do you want to know well here's why it happened and and he just opened up. And he was a peer, he was a, I was a student, but he was an engineer already. And he was more than happy to share everything he knew with me. And till today, and John would deny it, like, okay, BC, whatever. He is the reason why I am where I am today. He, he was a mentor to me. He, mm. he, he is the reason, John Conciality from AEM is the reason why I'm successful today. Wow. 100%. So hmm. he told me about how baffling is and, and tied it in with fluid dynamics, which I was studying at the time. And how, you know, it's with flow and energy. It takes energy to expel gases. That energy to expel it has to come from somewhere from your engine. So if you remove those restrictions, your engine breathes easier. There's less energy that is required to expel those gases. And now it's available for you to propel your car forward, hence power. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what's, what can I do next? He's like, I've been thinking about this new system where you can do the same thing with exhaust but with intake. So I have this thing. Why don't you just try it in your car? So he got me a filter, and I went back to the muffler shop, expanded it, and I had it fit to my intake and took my box out. Nice sound, more power. Did and you then, own
6: royalties on those intakes? No, I did not. <laughs> I, I
7: was just exi- an <laughs> excited student trying to figure things out. Hmm. I mean, John ended up going on to you know making designing many many different intake systems, and he did quite well with that. But I was there at the at the, at the beginning when he played with that, hmm. and then what was next? Cam gears. I have the first cam gear John made. I still have it in my garage. Wow. Put on my CRX, got power, went on his dyno. It was just, from there on, I was just thirsty for knowledge. Mm -hmm. But there was still a challenge. There was still a challenge of if you need certain parts. So if I needed camshafts, I'd have to go to a place like…
5: Before you continue, could you teach the audience why you would change the camshaft? Okay. And what that does. Let's see, what is a good
7: analogy I can use? Okay, a camshaft is a device that actuates your valves that allows air to come in and also combusted gas to escape. So in, in essence, think of your engine as a room and you have a door in that room. Your camshaft is like the door itself. It allows the valve or the door itself to open up for a certain time, for a certain amount of time and certain, how should I say, distance of opening, and then it closes. And that gives you a certain amount of power when that happens. Now, what an aftermarket camshaft does it allows you to open that door even wider and longer. And why is that critical? In any internal combustion engine, the way they make power is to get as much air with the appropriate amount of fuel as possible. That's why you have a natural aspirated, let's say, Emilia had a Corvette and it was <laughs> natural aspirated and it made X amount of power. And then she put a turbocharger on it, which forces more air in it. She will make more power. And that's key Because she had the opportunity to experience, or her engine had the opportunity to experience more air inside of it with the appropriate amount of fuel. A camshaft does that using atmospheric pressure, and even a booster can help as well, by allowing the door to open further and longer. The caveat with that is that you can consume more fuel. Also, if you have an emissions-friendly vehicle, it can affect emissions negatively as well. So, that's what we had to do then. And Mm -hmm. I was so interested in technology. And why things maybe go faster? I, I just couldn't stop. It was like it's like a passion project for me to continue to make things better and better and better. However, there are two things that happened to me that really changed my life when it came to that racing thing. Have you guys ever been on the roadway and saw that annoying person that was always trying to race you and revving and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Never. Well, that, Don't know what you're no, talking no. about. Okay. <laughs> well, then you and I didn't meet when I was a teenager. <laughs> and that was I
6: and
5: She wasn't I, born yet. Yeah, know. Yeah. Possibly, probably. Yeah.
7: And long story short. Just with that intake and exhaust that I had, intake from JC, and exhaust from the Supreme Muffler Shop, I thought I was the fastest thing on the planet. So, uh, do you remember Circuit City? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Okay. Well, she doesn't. I know She of does. It. She knows yeah. I know love well, it. Well, yeah. You've never walked
7: in no, it. No, I've never <laughs> been in one. Oh, no. It was, it was a magical place. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> when I got a job there in 1993, there was a guy in, in a car audio in the back who had a Mazda 626 Turbo. Uh, his name was Terrence King. And he... Huge street race. And the people in the store were being really a-holes because they were telling him, oh, there's a guy up front with a CRX. He'll spank you. They're telling me, oh, there's a guy in car stereo. He'll spank you. You guys should reach each other. And I'm like, yeah, I'll race him. I got my intake, my exhaust. I'll smoke him. No problem, right? I didn't know what a turbo 66 could do. We go to a track known as Terminal Island. That's where I met people like Steph Papadakis. I met people like that there. It was a track in Long Beach. It was so cool. It was right near the water. Excellent sea level, great air, always cool, just amazing. Mm. Lots of domestics, lots of bedding. And we went there to do our showdown. I won't bore you with the grim details of how I couldn't burn out or how I launched. But um, let's say at the end of the quarter mile, he was on the return road, and I was still going down the road.
6: <laughs> I wish I was alive during these times. Yeah, oh, you'll hear about this. Yeah, and... it was
7: pretty bad. But then I'm like, "Teach me!" Oh my God, you know. And and he modified his Mazda Turbo. I mean, he did quite a bit to it. It was much faster than factory, and he gutted it, and it was fast. So long story short, I was humbled by that event, but not as humbled as the one that really changed my life on campus. After racing with after racing with Taren, he started teaching me the ropes on how to rev, how to launch. I didn't know how to do any of that. Um, how to do a burnout. Handbrake up, get in the water, come out of it, do a burnout. I, he taught me all that. That made me even more cocky. So I go to campus, Cal State Long Beach. I'm in the VEC Center. Um, unlike now, the side of campus I was engineering, the parking lot is always empty. Because I guess people don't want to study engineering. You go to business administration, it's always packed full. You can't even get parking. But in the engineering parking lot, is was empty.
6: So it was a good lot for... <laughs> Misbehavior. <laughs> so lots of shenanigans.
7: Uh-huh. I'm leaving one day. There's a black CRX Si in the parking lot. I'm pulling out. She pulls out. I rev on them because <laughs> I'm BC. It's I'm na- Naturally, what yeah, you do? I just rev, and she's like, "All right, we pull up, we launch." At the end of the race, they're on the floor laughing at me. They got all three Wait, of them got who the car. She won. She, she me. She <laughs> not. I love. She it. didn't beat me.
6: I don't love she that you spanked. lost. I, I love me. that a woman in that era. She has
7: passengers. I'm alone in my car, and I'm like. At that point, I swore that I was going to be the fastest thing to come on the planet. Like no one ever, and I did it. I literally, that day, (laughs) was a maca for what changed. I I was just, I became obsessive with making my car faster. Hmm. Everything I learned in school, every time, whether Dr. Heil or Dr. Chang, anyone who's, who's teaching, whether it's thermal or fluids or mass transfer, I'm thinking of ways to make that apply to my car.
6: Mm-hmm. It
7: made my schooling very interesting for me because everything I learned was how can I apply that to my
6: car? Yeah,
7: I almost got expelled. My dad would have killed me. I almost got expelled for trying to test carburetors in our chemical engineering lab. I used water, but I was trying to test atomization of fluids. Mm-hmm. And as I did that, the lab tech walked in. BC, what are you doing here? That's not approved. And, you know, went to the dean and I had to beg Dr. Heil, please, please, please. And I told him what I was doing and he was impressed and didn't kick me out. Mm. You're not supposed to do unsupervised, unauthorized experiments in school. But I did that because I had to, that's how obsessive I was. Mm. From there, I got into exhaust technology. And we studied, oh, in, in fluid dynamics studies about venturis and how a venturi you can put it inside a pipe and increase velocity across that gradient. I'm like, if headers are supposed to help scavenge and give us more power, shouldn't a venturi even help more? Mm. And I asked John, and John like, yeah, it could.
5: John from AEM. Yeah,
7: John Consialdi. I welded one on and I picked up power. So it just, I continue. And each time I went to Terminal Island in Long Beach,
6: that was your field testing. That was like,
7: it was. I went from, geez, 18.4. That's why I ran to 16s, to 15s, to 14s, to 14.2. And people are like, what are you doing? How? And I'm there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's when the truck was open. Friday. After work, I go straight there. After work, I, go I couldn't stop thinking about this.
6: So you're working, you're going to school.
7: Going to school, working, and at night, street racing. Well, testing my cars, <laughs>
5: yeah. testing equipment. It's true, it came a little that. bit later. Yeah, that's what it's called, Testing, yeah. testing.
0: <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
1: or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
3: Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just
2: let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right?
7: I won't bore you with the grim details of how crazy I went with the street racing and so on and so forth. but Please had, do. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well. That's not boring. Here's the thing. I, I noticed this. a lot of people didn't go to the racetrack. So I would watch them and see how they launched. I'd pay attention. I, I kind of took a scientific approach to stalking my prey. So I watch them and I would see someone who thinks they're fast or the car's really loud, but they really weren't that fast. Mm. And I will tell my guys to approach them. I didn't feel comfortable. I got a people. spoiler because this is sure. making me
6: crazy. Is this yeah. how then? Did you start racing as your income and quit your job and use this to pay for your school? Got, if not, I feel like this is a great movie. <laughs> Actually,
7: I did a little bit of both. So, long story short, I um, had the opportunity to race quite a few individuals and kept going faster and faster and faster. And my advantage was I'd go to the track and practice and know my times mm. while other people just only focus on street racing. And I made a couple of bucks doing that. And I knew who to hit up. Mm. And when they see my HFCRA, they're like, yeah, I'll raise you. Mm. And I'll make it with some money. Sometimes people wouldn't pay. Taryn and his friends, they'll tell me, BC, just go ahead and leave. We'll meet up with you at Cars Jr. Mm. And they show up with my money. I don't mm. know what they do. Mm. I said I don't know what they did. Were you familiar with AOL chat?
6: <laughs> yeah. Okay. You guys are looking at me I'm like, like I'm a baby.
7: <laughs> <laughs> you are a baby.
1: You're I don't a baby. Feel like
7: one. <laughs> well, even though we had pages back in the day, AOL chat room was a place where we could meet up and race. And there was a chat room known as AOL Japan Street Racing or oh, Japan Racing, sorry. We, we all kind of congregated there. Well, I got hit up for a race. Remember earlier on how I told you in the uh, VEC Center? parking lot i was spanked by that lovely young lady and her mm-hmm. two friends mm-hmm. well i was still on my quest to be the fastest single cam and i was very very proud of saying i was the fastest and i beat my chest with the title of being the fastest single cam out there until i got a someone hit me up on the chat room saying hey we want to race you for title of the fastest single cam and i'm like okay street cred i'm doing this no big deal whether it's money or not what could it be what would it be 200 bucks i'll do it So, you definitely won't know this, but our lightning techniques back in the day consisted of taking off our hatch, putting a plastic bag, taking off our doors, putting gutted doors on with lightning, Mm -hmm. weight Mm reduction. Okay. Suspension, we take out our rear coils and put in pipes so it doesn't squat. I did all this. And then my exhaust system, unbolting it and going with a side exit. Okay. That was my street race setup. So, this gentleman hits me up and says, hey, we're racing you. For five thousand dollars.
6: Wow, that's a big now, jump. And this yeah. this is still your daily driver at this point. This is
7: the only car I've ever had. Okay, five thousand dollars. Now, guys, even though my parents took care of me growing up, I never saw five thousand dollars in my life. So, me racing for five thousand dollars was ridiculous.
6: Did you have the money if you
7: lost it, or did you go into it just knowing you're gonna win? G- if you search me, I probably have $150 on me.
6: So you were just confident. You're like, I can do I this. I thought it was for crop.
7: I thought it was for, for, for street street cred. That's what I thought I was racing for. But when you said $5,000, I'm like, what? No. And then this one guy came up, this one African-American gentleman came up to me and said, hey, you know, my name is John. Here you go. What? I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to take a slight tangent. Big John is not one of my... Good, good friends. Until mm-hmm. today, he won't tell me how him as a teenager was walking around the street races a five grand. As <laughs> <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> he will not, we were kids. How did you have five grand? And this is not five grand in 2023. This is five grand in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Use fuel as a judge. Mm-hmm. We used to pay 99 cents a gallon for 91 then. Yeah. Now we have put four or five dollars. Yeah,
5: At so least. it's
7: equivalent to today's twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand. That's what. That's it,
5: before taxes. That's yeah, <laughs> before
7: taxes. So that was a lot of money. And i like, okay. So I I take it, and the guy who hit me up said he wants to hold the money. I'm like, everyone's like, no, hell no. The racers don't hold the money. You always have a neutral party who right. holds the money. So not
6: that I would know. Uh,
7: <laughs> so, um, lucky Mike, we call him, held the five thousand from us and held the five thousand from him. And we lined up. So what did these guys do? Remember how I told you earlier, I used to watch my prey mm-hmm. <laughs> and see what they'll do? And I understand a lot about technology engineering. I understand a lot about how engines work. And these guys started making really silly mistakes. So first thing they did was start the car.
5: Well, what car did they bring? They had a CRX. Okay. So we're
7: going for, we're going for the, the world's fastest CRX or single cam. So they have a CRX like myself, injected. I'm carbureted, JC. Mm-hmm. Tom Young, that's his name, opens my hood, reaches around, looking for nitrous. I don't have any.
6: Did they, was it because you guys weren't allowed to run nitrous? Or was it no, you so just going to open the bottle? We're so we're
7: sprayed. aspirated So the thing is, being nat- all motor all motor, nitro-aspirated, you're not supposed to have any kind of chemical, no adders, no power adders. Okay. Mm. That's the title. Mm. You know, all motor, yeah, hardcore, all motor, you know. So Tom opens his hood. I look at it. It just looks like a regular, okay, whatever. Injection, like he's not going to go anywhere close the hood so they make this mistake I thought it was a mistake they thought it was cool and a lot of street racing guys used to do this front wheel drive they'll start the car they'll have two guys in front of the car on each side of the fender then they'll pour a bunch of bleach or VHT or whatever on the floor and Mm -hmm. they'll burn out and as they're burning out and the guy has his handbrake burning out the guys on the side are pushing the car left to right you're you giving me a look like you've never seen that
5: have you never, never seen, seen that? that oh
7: bleach. it was very popular you, you don't do that now you huh. don't do that now didn't they used
6: to use Coca-Cola back in the day I never too saw that. I knew bleach. I knew
7: bleach and I didn't know bleach. I, knew, I never knew about Coca-Cola but bleach and was it's, a very popular it's to make the
5: tires stickier. sticky. Sticky. Mm-hmm. okay, okay.
7: So, they're doing this and they're putting a lot of heat in their, they're heat soaking. They're putting a lot of heat in their motor, just burning out. And they did this about three times, just showboating. And there are people lined up on both sides of the street. It was a big, it was a big race. Mm-hmm. And they did a burnout and they pull back. I start mine up, I do a dry hop and just clean off all the rubbish on my car. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I stopped.
6: And I'm sorry if you said this was on street tires. You Street, guys tires, on slick. street, street, street tires, tires, street tires. Oh, so right off the bat, that's right a, they. Yeah.
7: They were just misbehaving. Yeah. What's a dry hop? Where you just chirp your tires, like skirt, just kind of,
6: skirt it to clean the rocks yeah, clean and the rocks stuff off, off your oh, okay. tires. Look at you. But street you tires, show you the street race. <laughs> <laughs> street tires. You don't want to put a lot of heat into them mm-hmm. because then uh, they don't. Uh, they, their best performance is not best optimized when they're overheated. They're that is they're a lot more sensitive, mm-hmm. unlike a slick. Mm-hmm. So
7: they were doing all this all these shenanigans, and I'm like, okay, whatever. So we stage. Like Mike points at me. Points at him, Rev, hands up, drops it. This guy leaves me. First gear, I'm looking at the lights. <laughs> oh my
6: God. It's so bad. Like a bus length between
7: you guys, like a car
6: length, like
7: it's probably his rear quarter panel at my front bumper. Like he leave, He's it's a car length, almost a car length. Okay. Mm.
6: But you guys, and the launch was okay. You left on My the... launch sucked. Okay.
7: His launch was better. Okay. Mm. Which is very typical of me, by the way. Second gear, I catch him. Third gear, I'm ahead of him. By the time we hit fourth, it's done. Mm. I freaking won $5,000. Wow. Or, actually, I won for someone $5,000. I didn't win anything. I just got a lot of credit. People are screaming. It's crazy. Tom comes like, hey, that was a good race, man. That was good, good. And then tells Mikey to give me money. I have $10,000 in my hand. I turn over, give give it to John. John's like, oh, no, no. Just give my five back. Keep your five. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Yeah, that was a good race. Keep the five. I didn't understand why this complete stranger... Well, give me $5,000, and then the winnings tell me to keep it. Mm. So I did, of course. I kept it. And I, that, I'm saying that money, la- I'm not exaggerating, lasted me almost the balance of my college years. Mm. As a student that just solved so many problems, it really helped me tremendously. And John and I became great friends. And we kept, I didn't get many street races after that. But um, I guess started leaving Compton and Wilmington and coming more towards Ontario, going to Silmar, going to street races, that's how I make money there again. Not a big race, same $200, $300 races, same procedure, watching my prey, approaching the right people, winning the races. And then one day I saw a Mustang and Integra race each other. And at the end of the race, the Mustang pulled over, the Integra didn't stop. Integra kept going and going. And there was a teenager section. He kept going and then went all over the embankment. We all ran towards there. And one guy, I don't even know if it's true, one guy came down like, he's dead. And we all rent our car and got out of there. And ever since then, I stopped. I never went to a street race again. Ever since that day, mm. ever. There's a friend of mine who brought a Veloster N for me to tune a few months ago. He was there that same night. Really? It's weird. It's like we. He's like, yeah. I'm like, he's like, you series, like, yeah. I stopped because I went to Ontario. I saw someone die with Ontario. He said I was there. Same thing. I stopped too, like that same night. Both of us, years apart, stopped racing because of what we saw that night. What year was that? This had to be, now we're probably 99.
5: 99. Yeah,
7: 99. Wow. I stopped. Mm. And I'm not doing this anymore. So I was still very gung-ho about technology and figuring things out. And then one gentleman one day just walked up to me. And he identified himself as John Yoshinaga from Honda. And he said, hey, I've been watching you for a while. And I see how you interact with people. And what I mean by that is, what I used to do is every time I went to a race, I'd have a table out. And all my partners who helped me with racing. Um whether it was then circle, circle racing for the wheels or MSD became one of my partners. Um Holly helped me with pumps, AEM, they give me brochures and I'll go to race, set up a table and put their brochures on. And when people ask me questions about, oh my God, you ran a good time, Which, what did you use? i will say, Oh, I use a, this intake from AEM or this carburetor from AEM. And, and here's the dyno I used and But this oh, wasn't at
6: street races. No, this was right? now
7: in Fontana R- right. at a sanctioned Because I was gonna say that'd tune. be a lot
6: to put away yeah, in a test and tune. pinch of time.
5: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, in the street.
6: Uh, don't, By the don't, way, I don't street race. Don't look at me oh, okay. like I'm a street racer. <laughs> she
5: doesn't street race. She tests. Oh, <laughs> she tests. Yes. Yeah. So, no, street tests. I would test, never yeah. condone
6: that type of behavior. Uh, no, she
5: doesn't. She
7: <laughs> He approached me and said, I've been watching you for a while and I like what you're doing. How would you like to race for Honda? And this was what age? Oh, now. Okay, now I'm in my early 20s, I think.
6: You've graduated at this point or not yet? No, I haven't
7: graduated yet. Okay. I didn't graduate at the time. I'm still in school. Still my same CRX. Much more potent, much more powerful, less and less of a streetcar, but still my only means of transportation. And he's like, How would you like to race for us? I'm like, uh, I would love that. What do I have to do? Do I sign a contract? He's goes, No, no, just run this sticker that says Honda Factor Performance on your windshield. And then if you win races, I'll pay you $1,200. bucks." i am like, Is this a joke? He's like, No, this is my card. He's a Honda Factor Performance in Torrance. Feel free to come by, so on and so forth. And that's how he established that relationship with Honda. Mm, wow. And it continued, and I did quite well with that. And at the time, it was the heyday of magazines like Super Street, Sport Compact Car, Drag Sport, which is now known as D-Sport. All those magazines were there, Mm -hmm. and they would cover me because of how unique my setup was.
3: Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just
2: let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to math and magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, Right.
6: You have accomplished so much in your lifetime; Thank it's you. hard to Thank fit you. it in this podcast. Yeah, because I
5: want to talk about your yeah, evolution into EV now. Because yeah, I, I would say you're innovating and you're dominating in this like custom EV yes. world. Yes. And so, like, I can we can you share how you evolved into where we, you are today? Yes.
7: We all exist in California, and it's a very challenging state when it comes to petrol performance. You know, I like to have fun. I'm the guy who. If you look at any of my social networks, you'll see me with twin turbos, shooting flames, doing fun stuff. I love racing. I love speed. I love efficiency. I love all that stuff. I'll, I've always been a diehard petrolhead. But it's, it's difficult here in California to modify anything that's newer than 1975 without get in trouble. You have to meet certain emission standards or just go off-road only. And it got tougher and tougher for us builders as well. We noticed that agents started to get set out to certain dyno shops from the EPA to kind of bus shops that were tuning cars, and it was uncomfortable. So bearing that in mind, I kind of had to focus my business on off-road vehicles only. Cars are only for the track, um, sandrails, so on and so forth. And and that's a very small niche compared to people who like to have a lot of fun with their cars. I noticed something out there that there were people claiming that Teslas were fast and they were pretty cool, and, and I had no interest in EVs. I heard it. I'm talking about far, no, not as far back, but as recent as 2018. I'd have customers come by, like you know, to buy parts or whatever for their petrol cars, and they say, "Hey, I have my Tesla outside. Would you like to take a ride? My P100." I'm like, "No, I have no interest. I don't want anything to do with EVs." Then my customers who are in my ear would say, "Yeah, EVs suck. It's for tree huggers. It's for guys who wear hemp hemp sandals. It's not performance." I'm like, "Yeah, that's true. Forget those guys." I would actually ask people to leave my shop if they kept talking about EVs. I had, I had no interest in it.
6: It's funny because you're almost trailblazing the aftermarket EV world so it's, now. It's
7: weird how that was such a, a challenge for me at the time. I was really close-minded. And then something happened. Harman Kardon is one of my partners. So, Emilia, you and I met on, uh, I would say, a project with, American, with Hyundai. Mm-hmm. They connected me with a company known as Harman Kardon. Harman Kardon is this great company that has to do a lot with sound, you may have heard of JBL, that's one of their divisions, so on and so forth. And they approached us to build a car for their show in Las Vegas for CES, Consumer Electronics Show. So we built this pretty cool Tucson, turbocharged Tucson, like a 701 horsepower Tucson. Had all their accoutrements in it, sound system, Bluetooth. It was really, sounded really cool, but also the engine bay was amazing. Lots of bling, but also very powerful, just very really cool. It was on bags, really cool. And they gave me access to CES as I built this car and dropped it off for them in Vegas. I mentioned that I have partnerships with American Honda and Hyundai. I've also done a little bit with Ford. I saw all three of those companies in Vegas at CES. I didn't recognize anyone in the booths. And then all the vehicles in the booths were EV. Now, this is a time where my budgets were getting cut every year. My, see, my budgets were getting smaller and smaller. Oh, because things are tough and our, our direction is changing. And I was okay with it. I made do. But I go to CES and now their booths look like, million-dollar boost, the projects look a lot more involved than anything I've ever built. And I thought to myself, if this is where the manufacturers are going and I want to remain relevant in this industry, I need to understand this technology. Even though I don't like it, even though I'm a diehard petrolhead, I'm about twin turbochargers and shooting flames and and, and flex fuel and all that fun stuff and engine management solutions, it looks like the OEMs are going this way. So sung and Emilia, what did I do? I decided reluctantly to build my first one. And I didn't want people to make fun of me, so I wanted a chassis that I felt that people would pay attention to. I've always had a soft spot for Porsche 935s from Group 5 Racing. I had the opportunity to find a body kit from a curator who had the original Kremmer molds. And I had, you will find this interesting. In SEMA 2016, and there was a white Porsche 911 you sat in that had a large single turbo in the rear. That is the pink car. Mm -hmm. So I had a Porsche 911 that I'm like, I'm not really driving this thing. It's sitting here. Some liked it, but I should probably do something with it. I grafted on the crematory 3 body to that chassis that you sat in. And, Emilia, I'm not ashamed to share this with you, but the first time I drove that pink 935, I almost urinated on myself. <laughs> it's just, I never experienced such an amazing, situ- I mean, you send the car, it looks like an old Porsche, it smells like an old Porsche, but then the acceleration is just no lag, it's just instant. Overnight, I went from an EV hater to an advocate overnight. Hmm. And I'm like, guys, and it wasn't quiet cuz I I have my compartment pumping into the into the, the the cockpit I should say or the you know where you sit the passenger compartment and the engine bay all one I didn't block anything off there's no crazy firewall and you hear this supercharged style whine to mm-hmm. it. So it has this
6: Is that from the transmission or from the the
7: gears and the motor itself? You can literally hear it's weird. Where do, you,
6: where do you get them are these like Like, where are you getting the motors from?
7: Great question. So, there's one architecture that I like in the EV world a lot. And it's a popular one. It's actually from the Tesla P100D, the rear drive unit. Okay. That architecture is very, very clever. It's an integrated motor, inverter, and transaxle. Can you
6: buy that as, like, a crate? Or do you have to buy a car? You have to
7: buy it from dismantlers. Um, Tesla is not very...
5: Consumer-friendly. Forthcoming yeah. <laughs> when it comes
7: to brand new drive units. So, unfortunately, we have to scour directing yards or re- reject disbanders and buy them and then modify them in normal BC fashion. Right. And, I do modify them. So,
6: those cars will drive with the sensors and all that being closed off?
7: So, great question. You just take the drive unit itself. We remove the inverter board itself. So, the Tesla board that controlled everything is one of the first modifications we do. Think of it as, um, you know how we used to chip ECUs back in the day? Mm-hmm. Think of it like that, but a little bit more advanced, where you have an inverter board, that controls everything in the motor itself, and you have a separate engine management solution, like a VCU 200 from AEM, okay. that controls that. And then also to allow for higher RPM activity, because the regular driving is peter out about 15,000 RPM. I push mine to 18.5. I change the bearings inside. And then, because it's a lot torqueier, and they come with a regular differential, which is like a peg leg that you and I would know in racing circles, the Tesla original factory setups use braking systems as their anti, you know, as their anti-skid or better yet, traction control. Mm-hmm. When a wheel spins, they use the brakes. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something a little bit more analog, so I don't have that. So my friends at Quafe had made a. I know Michael Quaif very well. We've done some really good stuff with him. Made a limited slip differential that we can now install inside the Tesla drive unit as well. Wow. To allow for adhesion. so
6: the regen braking. That's- you
7: have that as well. Regen is now you using the engine to almost to some extent for the guys listening, reversing the energy to allow it to go back and charge the battery. because so is it
6: it, Am I wrong to say it's on the wheels on no, Tesla's? Yes, or? it is
7: in the motor itself. It's in so the, the motor, So the motor okay. is a generator and absorption unit in okay, one.
6: Okay, okay. So
7: when you see acceleration, you're generating it and it absorbs energy back and almost like it slows down and reverses and puts it back in your battery right. in the motor okay. itself.
5: When I drove your car, the pink Porsche, yeah. it, it also changed. Like I became, <laughs> I, I I converted. That All right, moment. I'm coming to drive this you car. Yeah, Media, you Media, I'm not even
7: going to say anything to you, I know you're a diehard petrol head. I was, but it is eye opening. It really is. Yeah. And fast forward today, ninety percent of cars in my facility are, are EVs. We're doing a lot of EV conversions. Everything from Rolls Royces to Caterhams mm. to VW buses to lots of Porsche 911s and nine twelves yeah. and nine thirties. It's it's and I don't have to worry about emissions anymore.
5: Yeah,
7: honestly, it shouldn't be legal because it's scary fast. It's it's people gonna get in trouble as this gets more and more popular. It's really scary fast stuff. Yeah, oh, so it's quiet. a scary car it to is. drive, it and, it,
5: and it has this visceral like feeling to it because the motor makes this sound. It's you know it, it's still radically like an old Porsche, yeah. right? And it has the <sighs> AEM, you know, ECU yeah. there, mm-hmm. right? It so it feels familiar. And and what's crazy about BC is that he lets you drive the car by yourself. <laughs>
6: I don't know if I'd want to do that. Okay, yes, then, you would. And then you,
5: you don't want to come back. <laughs> like, I was like, here's That'd a freeway. I'm <laughs> about to go home in this thing. Right? Like, yeah. He's so generous. You know, the reason I felt like, you know, I really wanted listeners to meet you is that anytime I hang out with you, aside from all the car knowledge that you are so willing to share, um, and I always learn something from you, the walk away for me, Amelia, is there's not one negative bone in BC. Mm. Like, he's one of those few people. He taught me something because, you know, in life, like, you meet people and you kind of, like, you know, maybe have some bad experiences. And you have something negative to say about that person, right? With BC, he's taught me, like, what's the point of even bringing that up? Mm -hmm. You know, and I used to talk a lot of shit. (laughs) You know, I did. Mm Because I go, you know, that guy fucked me over. And, like, you know, this or this guy's attitude is this. But with BC, I never heard him say one negative thing about anybody, and it's something. Yeah, I can honestly say the same. Yeah, and it's a trait as I get older, as you know, as an adult, I go, yeah, that's something I need to adopt. Life's too short. Yeah,
7: life is too short. I mean, this country has really been great to me. I mean, I really came, as I mentioned earlier, as a student, without much, and I've accomplished so much, and people have been kind, and I come across difficult situations, but I, I try to focus on the, on the positive, on the things that are more beneficial than not it is difficult. I mean, even recently I've gone through some really difficult personal things, but I still try and see positive things out of that as well. So, the best is yet to come and um, I really appreciate you spending this time with you guys. Who knows what tomorrow brings? you awesome. No, yeah. you're awesome.
6: <laughs> Thank you. I see you everywhere. <laughs> I know, same. No, it's been really cool to see all your success over Thank these you. years. Congratulations Thank on everything. Thank you so everything. much. Appreciate
5: that, Amelia. Thank you. And yeah, and the best is yet to come. Basically. The best is yet to come. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so cool. much. No Thank you. No worries.